This is Honest Math Chat, and I'm Mona Eel of Mona Math. I'm a former math avoider turned math teacher cheerleader, and I'm going to get real honest with you about math classroom culture, engagement, math discussions, and all the student-centered instructional practices to help you empower your students to love and understand math deeply. So every Monday on Honest Math Chat, we're going to work together to make our classrooms places where students see themselves as mathematicians. But let's not wait. If you're ready to engage every learner and get them pumped about math, you've got to use math discussions. I welcome you to download the guide to engaging math discussions right now. Go to monamath.com slash discussions. You'll get all my best tips on how to guide on the side while getting every child meaningfully engaged in discussing their math thinking. When I started teaching, I knew approximately one way to solve every math problem. And that was with the standard algorithm. I just figured that's what we do. I was teaching my students how to add using the drawings in their worksheets or whatever the curriculum told me to do. What I found was those ways weren't really working. My first graders struggled with what I thought was simple addition. I knew making a 10 would help them, but that didn't seem to make any sense to them. When my third graders started multiplication, I figured they'd just memorize the multiples and memorize the math facts. Then they would know how to multiply. And the funny thing is, that's exactly how I learned, but it didn't actually work. I still don't have my multiplication facts all memorized, and I still sweat when I'm asked to solve a problem in front of people quickly in my head. It didn't occur to me that problems could be solved with multiple strategies or that math thinking could be shown in multiple ways. It wasn't until I was what felt like late to the game on research that problems can be solved in many ways. There are many solution pathways to an answer. I later found out that NCTM, the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics, has been advocating in policy documents for more than 25 years, 1989, 2000, 2006, and 2009, And in their vision, students are active learners, constructing their knowledge of math through exploration, discussion, and reflection. Welp, I was doing it all wrong, friends. But then I learned a better way. I learned about the difference between a strategy and a model. So a strategy is how you solve the problem. Your plan for how you're going to deal with the numbers and how you're going to solve the problem with the numbers. And your model is how you show what you're doing, how you communicate your ideas or your strategy to the world. Models show your thinking. They make your strategy come to life on the paper. Models help make your math thinking visual so that you can use that thinking as evidence to form your mathematical argument and then critique the reasoning of others. Your model might include drawings, manipulatives, arrays, number lines, or even number models. Why do models even matter? Models are essential 
for clear mathematical communication, especially when we're talking about learning from one another in a math discussion. The clarity of the model matters. We want our students to create clear and easy to follow models so their mathematical ideas can serve as that evidence in our math discussion. Here's an example of what I mean. There are 12 baskets of soccer balls in the gym. Each basket holds eight soccer balls. How many soccer balls are in the baskets in the gym? If that's our problem that we're solving for the day, some students might draw an array to show how they counted each of the soccer balls by ones. Another student might draw an array and show how they counted the rows by eights. Yet another student might have drawn a number line to show how they counted by eights. And then another student may have used number models or number sentences to show how they decomposed the 12 into a 10 and a 2, and then multiplied each of those by 8. This is an example of four different models of a specific strategy that the student chose, right? So if I chose these students to share their work, and I typically only choose like two or three students to share, but I would ask these students to describe their strategy and model, and I would create a chart with their work so that it's magnified for all to see. This chart also serves as our print-rich environment, so we can refer back to it. Then, students can see these models, and then they can start to notice and wonder. I wonder why she made an array, but then counted it by ones. Isn't it faster to count by eights? A number line is easier for me to understand. So these are the wonderings that our students might have. So these models provide that opportunity for students to reflect on each other's strategies because they have made their strategy visual in a model. It would be so much harder for students to learn from one another if they just describe their strategy without making it visual. So charting up the student's work allows students to see their peers' math thinking and refer back to it in the math discussion. So now let's switch gears to what are math strategies? As I've already sort of mentioned, strategies are how we do the problem solving, how we solve the problem. What strategy are you using to figure this problem out? Strategies include things like counting by ones, making a 10, skip counting, counting on, decomposing, finding a friendly number. So why do strategies matter? Strategies are how we help our students improve in their ability to solve problems effectively and efficiently. Strategies are at the heart of our math discussions. Many times teachers ask me, what do you ask in the math discussion? And I always default to say, talk about the strategy. Strategies help students see the connections between numbers and operations. Strategies help students generalize and become more efficient in their solving. And let me pause right here and say, if you want more strategies for engaging your students in math discussions, go grab the Engaging Math Discussion Guide at monamath.com discussions. I go through all my best tips and there's two pages of printable questions and prompts that you can ask in the discussion. Okay, so let's talk about how do strategies and models relate. I'm wondering if you've heard of CRA or CPA. 
It stands for concrete pictorial abstract or concrete representational and abstract. This was developed by Jerome Berner. He's an American psychologist whose research and work really impacted education. And he created like spiral curriculum and used the constructivist theory to lead to concrete, pictorial, and abstract approach. These are three modes of representation that closely relate to Berner's constructivist theory, which states students create their own knowledge. And this means that students attach new learning to existing knowledge. So if you provide your students with the answers or the strategies, what Berner's uh, theory tells us is that is just not effective because it doesn't relate to what they already know how to do. So instead, we can plan for and use models that move from concrete to pictorial. I usually say visual just because it's a more approachable word. So that move from concrete to visual and then to abstract. So let's say concrete means manipulatives, like using the actual blocks to build the thing. Visual is going to be pictures or drawings of those concrete things, like drawings of the blocks, or even number models. And then abstract is really focused on the numbers and the symbols. So how can this help us teach our students to problem solve better? Or how can this idea of concrete, visual, and abstract models really help us facilitate a better discussion? When I first started teaching this student-centered approach that I like to call word problem workshop, I had a hard time moving from doing exactly what the book told me to do to thinking about all the ways students could solve. And I didn't really have enough mathematical knowledge myself to know what students should know. And that was hard to swallow. Like, I had to do math learning myself, even though I taught first and second and third grade. I needed a way to organize all those potential models and strategies that students were using. I needed a way to think about the progression. And lucky for me and for us, there are lots of experts on this that are sharing with teachers like us. So Graham Fletcher is one of them. He has these progression videos on YouTube that really helped me see how that knowledge built over time on each other. I've also found that the authors of um, Five Practices for Orchestrating Productive Math Discussions, what they call anticipating, that has been so transformational for me. So it's a practice where you literally just consider what your students will do before you give them the problem. And you think about those strategies and models and how they build in complexity. And you think about what questions you can ask your students to develop their strategies. So over the years, I've used a lot of different methods and different structures to anticipate. However, I've really found one that works well, one that combines both models and strategies, a structure that allows me to consider all the ways students solve and consider how those strategies build in complexity, while also being mindful of concrete, visual, and abstract. So this is what I like to call my forecasting guide 
And, you know, same but different. I teach all about that inside of my training for Word Problem Workshop. Um, But this forecasting guide is really there to help make decisions for whose work is going to be shared, which models I want to highlight, or which strategies my students need to be pushed in. It helps me consider what misconceptions to address, and it gives me the guide to the discussion. It becomes the guide that will help me keep stay grounded in gathering information about my students and where they currently are in their math journey. So just to kind of wrap up today, I want you to think about what are you using to help you develop your knowledge of math concepts to plan and to anticipate how students will solve? How will you use this idea of concrete, visual, and symbolic representations to start to think differently about your students' work? And then what questions could you ask your student if they are in the visual and you want them to move to the symbolic? What discussion topics or conferencing could you do to help your students progress? And as you're working through this, I'd love for you to share with me any revolution revelations you're having or any questions that come up, send me a DM on Instagram at hello Mona math. And I will absolutely love to chat with you about it. And like I said, don't forget about guide to engaging math discussions. You can get it at monamath.com slash discussions. And in there, you're going to get lots of tips for how to use these ideas to facilitate a really engaging math discussion. Well, that was your dose of honest math chat for today, friend. Thanks so much for listening. It would mean so much to me if you subscribed, shared this podcast with your friend, or leave a comment. (laughs) If you have not downloaded my free guide that I made in response to the questions you have all about engaging your students in math discussions, go grab it, monamath.com slash discussions. And if you have other questions that I haven't answered, shoot me a DM on Instagram at hellomonamath. I can't wait to chat more with you next week. Remember, we're here every Monday. I'm always listening on my way to work. When do you listen? See you soon, friend.